0: Hey everyone, live from New York City, I'm Jay Dombeck and this is Sports In-Depth. Okay folks, four weeks in the books, here's week five. Uh, We'll start off with some NFL because it was a a great week as always. Uh, The Steelers are continuing to step on teams. Uh, making their case for a top team in the NFL. And they're clicking on all cylinders. Uh, Rookie Chase Claypool, young and talented man, receiver out of Notre Dame, making a statement for rookie of the year. And I just think Pittsburgh's doing such a good job of forcing turnovers and capitalizing off them. Even just this weekend, we watch them being up 3-0, Baker Mayfield has the football, turns it over, you're in the red zone immediately. Uh short field for Big Ben and they tack on seven more. So uh that's huge for the Steelers cuz to be a top team in the NFL, I feel that you have to be great on both sides of the ball. And Steelers are able to do that uh better than any other team in the league, I feel. Um you know, the Kansas City's right there with them and we also have uh you know, kind of people making their case for Baltimore and Tennessee. But I feel like right now, Pittsburgh's standing alone. Uh, standing alone. So so a little, uh, little Steeler talk for you. Uh, New Yorkers throw your popcorn in the air. Daniel Jones led the Giants to their first win of the season. I feel that, I, again, it was against the Washington football team, but I feel, I mean, we didn't give up too many points. Defense looked pretty good on Kyle Allen their quarterback and Daniel Jones showed his ability to pass and run. And that's going to be huge. Uh, Giants are one and five, but after all the games conclude this week, we could just be one game back at the top of the East. So hold your horses. N- Big Blue is not out of it, ladies and gentlemen. I also wanted to talk a little bit about coaching towards the end of that ball game. Now, Giants were up late, 20-13, to 13, uh, off a of fumble six. Washington football team came down the other end, scored six of their own. Now, Ron Rivera wanted to be aggressive. And ladies and gentlemen, there is a difference between aggressive and smart football. Aggressive football is for the first half. To close games, smart football. Now, Ron Rivera chose aggressive. And and he bit the bullet, so uh, Washington ended up losing by one because they went for two late in that game. So Joe Judge was was on the sideline celebrating his first win uh, as the head coach for the New York Giants. And yeah, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because I feel like Washington could have easily pushed this game to OT, and then you know heads or tails on the coin toss may decide the game, but. With Washington not even letting themselves get there in a game that they also want to win because they sit at 1-5 as well, it wasn't a playoff coach-slash-team choice. It was a, I'm going to take a gamble and see if it pays off. And that's not what winning football teams do. And uh, I'm sure Ron will learn from that. Um, another game I wanted to talk about because King Derek Henry is just showing up. For the Titans, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Titans are still undefeated. A big OT win against the Texans. And I I just wanted to, you know, uh, talk stats for a minute. He had 212 yards on the ground. That's very impressive in today's game, folks. This is a passing league. And Henry's still putting up those kind of numbers. So Tennessee... Uh, they're right there at the top of the AFC. Uh, You know, they want themselves in the conversation with Baltimore, with KC, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, with the Buffalo Bills. They feel they're within that top six uh, of teams in the conference. And I agree. Uh, Why wouldn't I agree at the moment? I mean, Derrick Henry's running like no one in the NFL, and Ryan Tannehill, their quarterback, seems to be making the right plays. Um and and I'm really happy for Tennessee. They had a quarterback switch. They went from Marcus Mariota to Ryan Tannehill uh, last year, and it seems to be paying off. Uh, Ryan Tannehill got got a touch of the playoffs last year. They ended up being able to upset the 14 and two Baltimore Ravens. So, so they're taking a step in the right direction. It's just uh, if if they could take one or two more steps to see a championship uh, game uh, for their conference or or enter a Super Bowl. That's the hurdle they want to climb. Now, I wanted to talk also about Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They absolutely steamrolled the Green Bay Packers. And this game for sure had a bunch of momentum shifts. Now, Green Bay was up 10 nothing in the first quarter. Tom Brady and the offense had something to say about that, and the defense as well. Uh, A nice pick six on on Mr. Rodgers. After that 10-0 lead by Green Bay, 38, and may I repeat, 38 unanswered points for the Buccaneers, and Green Bay just hit the off switch. They looked non-existent after that 10-0 lead. Rodgers had a difficult time, receivers had a difficult time, and they couldn't slow down the pace of the Tampa Bay Buccaneer offense. And that's the key for Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. They want to be in that offensive flow, hurry up offense, you know, audibles at the line of scrimmage. They want to confuse teams at the line and something that a lot of people wanted to see. And we got to see it this week. We got to see a Gronk spike. Uh, Rob Gronkowski got in the end zone this week. I'm very happy for Gronk after taking a full year off and, uh, rekindling his relationship here with Tom Brady in Florida and a Gronk spike. He gave us a lefty Gronk spike, but it was still cool, still really cool. Uh Gronk had 5 receptions for 78 yards uh on the evening and I thought he was really in the flow of the offense and I want them to get him involved. The first few games of the season they were using him still effectively, but It was so much in the run game. He was constantly blocking, and he's a great blocking tight end, but he has hands and can run down the field. So I want them to incorporate that so they can use everything he's got in his bag of tricks. I'm sorry for New England fans and for Mr. Kraft and Mr. Belichick because they must be nodding their head in disgust, Um, especially seeing Tom and Gronk somewhat successful. I mean, it's a winning record over in Tampa Bay, a losing record thus far in New England. So, so that's something to keep an eye on. Well, lastly, I wanted to conclude the football segment with we still have three undefeated football teams um, with the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson, of course, playing like an MVP, as I mentioned the last few weeks on our show, and uh, Pittsburgh, who, who I mentioned, and, and Tennessee. And Tennessee's doing a good job stepping on teams from start to finish, but they're so, so good in these close games as well. When when they're behind, they catch up. Uh, They take the lead late in games. They go into overtime and and finish the job. That's what winning football teams do, and that's what we're seeing out of Tennessee. That's the lovely uh, football segment for you. Um, now I'll move on to some baseball, and of course I wanted to mention, of course we're going to miss the NBA and the WNBA so, so much. Um, we are going to move on to the sports that are going on right now, but man, I can't wait for basketball to come back. I know it just ended, but people like me, we don't like an off season. We want basketball and basketball and basketball, but here I go with baseball. It's been a really entertaining postseason here in the MLB. Close games, close series, forcing game sevens in both championship series. Uh, the Houston Astros were trying to pull off something special this year. It's only been done by the 0-4 Boston Red Sox, and that is come back from 3-0 to win the series 4-3. Now, Houston came up one game short. They were down 3-0. Able to knot the thing up at 3-3. And then Game 7, unfortunately, for the Houston Astros. Guess what? Tampa Bay took care of business. Um, Pitching showed up. (laughs) What they're known for showed up. And and they sure delivered. I will give Tampa a lot of credit. They fought hard in this series. And they had their dynamic pitching go up against an all-world offense. Now... Talk a little bit about the history of baseball and baseball today. We know that great pitching beats great hitting more often times than not. And I wanted to also mention on the other side, in the NLCS, the Dodgers overcame a 3-1 deficit with their premier offense. Batters from 1-9 to nine putting the ball in play. And I don't want to say, you know, no knock on Atlanta, but... But is the city cursed? Come on, guys. Atlanta blowing, the Atlanta Falcons blowing leads, and now the Braves. We won't even go into, you know, the college football games that have been blown there. But let's learn how to finish and finish before it gets it gets too dicey, you know. for For Atlanta, you're up 3-1. Even if the Dodgers get one more, try to close it in six. When it gets to seven, things get chippy. And back to that game seven with the Dodgers. I mean, Kike Hernandez. Keep in mind, Atlanta was up in this baseball game three two. Kike Hernandez, homer, solo shot deep, three three in the ball game, and he he had something. I was I was catching up with the post game and having a lot of fun with it. Um, He stated something really funny. He goes, you got the big sluggers at the top of the order and the hyenas at the bottom. Uh, Basically saying that everyone in this batting order is looking for a playoff moment. A playoff moment. And the MVP of this NLCS was Corey Seager, the shortstop. He stood out to all of us. A great defender in the field as well as a contact hitter. That can also swing for the seats. And most importantly, he's batting over 300 this postseason. Now that's impressive, folks. If you're anywhere in the threes come postseason, we're going to remember you in the history books. So, very impressive for Corey, and, and good for the Dodgers. The three World Series appearances in four years. Now they have not got it done, so they're looking to get it done this time around. I wanted to do a little comparison of small ball versus the long ball. And in Game 7, we saw we saw some small ball win ball games. Uh, you know, of course, we capped things off with the long ball. But how about the little things in baseball? Will Smith, catcher for the Dodgers, beat the shift and drove in two runs. And guys, he was just going the other way. Uh, you know, not trying to do too much with the bat, beat the shift... Uh, Ground ball. Ground ball. Um, Knowing where to put the ball in play. Delivering two runs. And of course the long ball. uh, We get to that with the Dodgers because they happen to uh, do it all. Two monster home runs. Monster home runs. And I think this matchup in the World Series is going to be a really tight one. A series for the ages. I say this because we have a once in a lifetime talent out of this batting order for LA. And a Pitching rotation that consists of three ace caliber pitchers in Charlie Morton, Tyler Glasnow, and Blake Snell. Those are three ballers on the mound. And uh both ball clubs have been hit, hitting it well in the postseason. In this series, I think it's gonna come down to pitching because you might have low scoring games because it's just you got so much talent on the bump. It's gonna be tough to score runs, but but defense defense wins championships. Defense wins championships, and I wanted to get to the star, Mookie Betts. Um, There's a bunch of stars in L.A., but the difference between... People were asking me this week, they're like, Jay, the Dodgers always get there and they can't get the job done. I go, guess what, though? In the last two World Series appearances, they did not have Mookie Betts. Now that's the difference. Look at Mookie in the field uh, this postseason he's robbing home runs, diving plays. People also forget a four-time gold glover from 2016 to 2019. So, you know, uh, Boston, I'm not going to go into them letting him go, but but when it comes to a player like Mookie, you pay the man cuz he will deliver championships or championship appearances. And I'm really happy for Mookie getting back there with t- with two franchises and uh, he seems to make it look easy, you know. Always in that top spot in the batting order, a contact hitter who, who as well can hit the long ball, but but more worries about putting it in play, making the right play, always being in charge of at bats, and that's huge. And the last thing I wanted to mention, I I, uh, I, I mentioned before, I was listening to the post game. I love the post game, guys, with a rod. Um, David Ortiz, Big Poppy, and the Hurt Frank Thomas. It's just awesome. I stay up all night watching them. And uh, with Kevin Burkhardt, of course. And A-Rod said something very important. And I'll explain it after after I mention it. He said, the long ball pays the bills, but small ball wins championships. So, A little bit about that, of course the home run hitters, the long ball hitters, doubles off the walls, those guys get the contracts, but how about the players that that do the dirty work? Singles, singles up the middle, making contact, sack flies, I mean, that's what wins championships. You gotta put the ball in play, and that's what I always joke about with Mike Trout, the best player in baseball. He can do it all. He it's putting the ball in play, you know, drawing walks. That's how you win. And I always look at him as the head example. But there's a lot of guys that are following that lead. And the MLB is in really, really good hands. Um, and I'll just wrap it up tonight with uh, a little bit about what wins World Series championships, and that happens to be the deep dive. What wins World Series? is being up from the start. I feel that it's tough. You see it in the NLCS, ALCS. People come from behind, seem to be able to get it done. When you have the two best franchises in the, in the big dance there at the end, the pitching rotations and the batting orders are so solid that if you try to come from behind, you might not be able to complete that task. Uh, especially with Tampa. I... I was mentioning this a few days ago. I said if the Dodgers make it to the World Series, they're going to have to and I mean it, jump on Tampa Bay early cuz cuz they have three ace caliber guys. You you know and you're dealing with a bullpen led by Nick Anderson just just you know special talents to throw after uh throw right after these aces and even a dynamic lineup Maybe a lineup that's the best in the history of the game if you look at the L.A. Dodgers front to back. But this pitching rotation is going to look for strikeouts and look for guys to put it on the ground. Hit the ball on the ground and force double plays. It's going to be big in this series. Because with the Dodgers making such good contact and the athletes that they are, they hit the ball so hard off the back because they see it so well. Now, if that stays in the infield, that ends up being an issue. So one thing to think about for the Dodgers, I would like to see L.A. get off to a 1-0 or a 2-0 series lead if they really want to finish the job. Um, If Tampa with that bullpen and those aces get off to a 1-2, you might see it quick the other way. So I'm thinking, uh, again, a nice prediction here um, is I do see another long series. The winner is really heads or tails this year, but I'm going to go with Mookie Betts and the L.A. Dodgers to win this thing in seven. Bring another championship back to L.A. and join the Lakers with some champagne. That's week five in the books. This time next week, J.D. out. Oh, we'll